Welcome to Where's the Any Key, the podcast where we talk shop about topics, tips, and trends for the modern IT admin. I'm your host, Ryan Bacon, the IT support manager at JumpCloud. My guest today is Riley Skoll. He's the CTO at MacTez. Uh, Riley, thank you for joining. Happy to be here. All right. Why don't you, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Um, I'm a born and raised New Yorker and uh, was always just taking apart everything I could find growing up, playing with Legos, uh, destroying printers, computers. Uh, went to school for mechanical and aerospace engineering, and when I moved back uh, home to New York after school, um, couldn't get a job in engineering that wasn't in defense, and I didn't really want to work for a defense company, um, and ended up uh, falling back into uh, IT, which I had kind of always been a computer nerd growing up, um, and worked at a few uh, IT consulting places before arriving at MacTest and had been there for about 10 years. Um, and uh, were, we used to be more of a like only um, IT consulting and we would work with a lot of small creative agencies. Now we do uh, like medium business, larger project uh, consulting and also have uh, an MSP side of the business that handles the run of the mill, stand the same problems that everyone runs into everywhere. Um, and uh, the things that I love about this job and career are the head scratchers and the things that you can kind of lean back and be like, this is so cool. Um, and uh, I think, you know, one of the one of the things that we're going to get into today is about things that we all find really cool. And the areas that we're most interested in are the areas where, or at least that I'm interested in, um, are the areas where I constantly want to be pushing the envelope and trying new and cool and innovative and not complex for the sake of complexity, but like not turning away from complexity. Um, when there's when there's interesting stuff to be done. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's a the you know on the on that quest for for continual improvement that that for me and you know for you and I think for a lot of other people that that a big drive of that is going out there and seeing you know what's that new shiny thing and but not just is it shiny but it, you know can it be effective can it be you know is it doing something innovative. And how can I lean in or leverage that innovation to to help me or help my team? So I want to. I'll start off with with you. Like, what's something that that you that you've seen like that that comes to mind? That yeah, you know, like what's a cool technology or cool even even like a process or practice that that you saw that you're like I got to start doing that and that that you've implemented and, and has helped you out? Um, I think that there are the, the two things that come most to mind. One is um, identity and access management and the whole jump cloud side, which we can get into in a little bit. Um, and another is on the network engineering side. Mm -hmm. uh, I find that when I'm interviewing candidates for both my company and when we're interviewing IT candidates for uh, people where we're going to place them at our clients. Um, network engineering 
tends to be um, a relatively weak skill for a lot of folks. Uh, it can be pretty daunting to get into, but once you kind of wrap your head around the, the principles there and, and are not afraid of digging into data sheets um, and command line references, it's there's just so much awesome stuff that can uh, happen under the hood. Um, a number of years ago, I was really interested to um, to start playing with VMware. And uh, we had a client that called us up, said, hey, we got to migrate our entire VMware environment. Um, Riley, can you do it for us? I was like, great, haven't done this before. Time to roll up my sleeves and learn everything there is to know about it. And, you know, many, many nights of staying up till four in the morning, reading documentation, getting on the phone with support to clarify questions that I had um, until a certain point where I was like, all right, I feel like I understand this thing backwards and forwards. And the, the networking side of, of, of um, virtualization can be really interesting and it all can also be like pretty mundane. Um, and at the particular client, they had a uh, probably four new brand new Dell hosts, one new Dell host, you know, probably quarter to half a terabyte of RAM each. Um, and a big SAN that was also a Dell EMC big flash array. And uh, the project basically entailed Humpty Dumptying this thing where we took it all apart and rebuilt it from scratch in an idealized fashion uh, when it was first set up. It, and to the, to, to the point about continual improvement and what does it mean to like be complacent versus pushing the envelope, um, the hosts had four 10 gig NICs each. Only two of them were being used, one for data, one for iSCSI. And the uh, um, SAN had uh, eight 10 gig interfaces, only four of which were wired up. And while I don't think anyone in the office was complaining about uh, their iSCSI performance, I'm like, why didn't you use all the NICs? They're, they're, they're at your disposal. Um, so when we re, when I rebuilt it, it was, let's, let's use every little bit we can. Two for iSCSI, two for uh, data. Um, doing ether channel bonding to on the data side to have better load balancing and better use of the two um, so that you can achieve a 20 gig link instead of just load balancing where each individual VM can only get 10. Um, and on the iSCSI side, in addition to just having more NICs on the storage appliance, there's a thing within iSCSI where you are deciding how to send commands over multiple links. And um, within VMware, the default policy is a round robin where it goes, all right, first I'm going to do NIC1, then I'm going to do NIC2, then I'm going to do NIC3. And... Um, it does this every thousand transactions, it hops to the next one. So at any given moment, you're only using one NIC, uh, and then a thousand transactions later, it hops to the next one. So that accomplishes redundancy, but it doesn't really help you with bulk throughput. And there is a small little command you can issue to these things where you change the frequency at which it jumps from one NIC to the other from a thousand to one. So after every single transaction, it jumps. So if you have a transaction that let's just say it takes five milliseconds 
and then one millisecond you execute that on Nick one. A few milliseconds, two milliseconds later, you have another command issue. That second command is getting issued on another Nick at the same time, right? You're now using multiple Nicks at the same time. This is a really small little thing, um, but means that you, in addition to now having redundancy, you're also improving your throughput. And this is the type of thing where it's like, well, this is cool. How can we get more juice out of this engine, right? Um, what is what is the ignition timing on 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 this? Like, how can we really dial in? And what you know, I really like getting into the weeds on a data sheet and trying to understand well exactly how does this work? What what can we do? What's the envelope that can be pushed? Um, and uh, at another client, I had to build another one from scratch. And um, when I did a uh, iperf speed tests from one VM to another that were on separate hosts on separate SANs, we're getting a five gig per second iperf speed, which is pretty quick. I mean, of, of like practical read write with your SSD caching backed by spinning drives with all of your load balancing and all the various algorithms to see what the like actual, you know, at the racetrack, what is this thing clocking in at? Uh, it's really fun and interesting to kind of push the envelope where the consulting firm or the the IT admins that had come before me in that client environment, they were like, well, you know, I guess two NICs is fine. And I guess we don't have to deal with like optimizing the path selection. And um, it worked before I got in there, but it worked like four to eight times faster when I was done. Uh, and those types of projects are just really enjoyable um, to to really sink your teeth into. And it doesn't extend; it's not, it doesn't end at network engineering. It you know, I think that um, the work that I'm doing when when I use JumpCloud uh, really speaks to that. Right? It's pretty easy to say, "Hey, here's your single sign-on provider. We're going to use JumpCloud, and we've got the local agent installed through computer, and we bound it to Google, and that's the end of that." Right, but um, but go the extra step. Federate. Don't have multiple MFA keys across different orgs. Federate everything back. Have a single unified experience. Um, don't stop at just your computer and Google. Get Azure AD in there. Get get your access control. Get your password management and um, your security systems, the accounting systems, the HR systems, get everything you can in there and don't stop. And when you say like, all right, well, we got SAML working, where can we use skim? How can we manage provisioning? Like, all right, uh, they don't, they don't maybe support uh, native skim, but they do have an Azure AD application that allow you to do that. Well, if you're federated to Azure, you can set up your system between your HR system and and uh, or or whatever it is in Azure AD and have that push right back into JumpCloud because it's all federated. Um, yeah. And uh, just not really, it's not taking no for an answer, but not taking the easy off ramp, right? It's like, well, how far down this road can we go? Um, and so those are the the things that that style of um, pushing pushing your own 
complacency, right? It, it, at any given point, you could say, well, this is good enough. Um, and I think that, um, at least in my company, I am not wearing the business hat. I am wearing the like nerd hat. So I'm the one who's always pushing for super cool solutions. And then the business side is like, all right, well, is this profitable? Is this reasonable? Uh, and there's a checks and balances there. Um, and it's not always advisable to do the most technical implementation you can. Um, it also depends who's going to have to support this thing. Right. Um, and the knowledge gap is a real thing between the people who maybe design and the people who have to maintain it. So you got to be like cognizant of that. But um, my preference is, well, let's just teach everyone about all this stuff and get them on the same page. And like, don't let that be the barrier to doing cool stuff. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the, the business hat and then the tech geek hat because there's, I, I, for, for your background for a little bit of, for me is that, uh, is that my, I have a, an undergrad degree in accounting and my, uh, a master's in, in computer information systems. So I have that inner accountant, that inner accounting nerd. And when you were talking about making those changes, those tweaks to the NIC and, and doing that initial optimization that a lot of people would consider above and beyond, my, my inner accounting nerd kind of set back and like, that affects total cost of ownership. That, that increases longevity of, of the appliance. Because if you if you if you really optimize from the get go and you know put in all these these cutting edge practices and these settings and everything like that, you know, three years down the line, you're, it's going to be a lot less likely that somebody's going to be like, "This is slow. We need to replace it." And yeah. and so it's so it, the 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 you know the the business side and the business needs as well as the 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 need to to improve and need to be on the cutting edge are not mutually exclusive i mean you are very right that there can definitely be a disconnect there and there is that knowledge gap and that's where like the documentation and like how we did this how this gets maintained and everything like that play. it's really it i think it all comes down to the documentation um yeah. and um you know, you want to be not, you know, penny wise, pound foolish. The, what, what you put in is going to be what you get out. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's total cost of ownership, both in terms of like, yeah, your hardware appliance, but there's also the productivity of everyone who's on the staff there. Right. Mm -hmm. Minutes a day. Did they wait while a spinny wheel went? integrated over the lifetime of this appliance times every person who had to deal with that and shaving off a fraction of a second is huge. Um, yeah. One of my main hobbies um, that I've been doing for 20 years is sailboat racing. And mm -hmm. um, you often have races that you, I've, I've seen races that are across the ocean that take um, weeks and boats are finishing photo finish even mm -hmm. so if you are a fraction of a percent faster than somebody 
you're going to beat them by miles, days perhaps. And um, really small changes can have really meaningful impact by the time you reach the end of the story, um, which is why I think that that really trying to get as much juice out of the orange as you can, um, I think it, it pays dividends almost always. There, there are obviously exceptions, but um, I more and more often I'm happy that I was like, oh, good thing we did that. Right, like, and when I've had other um, other external firms audit my work, I can always be like extremely proud and confident. Be like, yeah, come check this thing out; it's mm -hmm. sweet. Instead of being like, "Ooh, don't look in there; my my room's really messy," right? Like, um, and speaking to like messiness, it it. I think when uh, when you and I connected the other day, we talked a little bit for a moment about like cable porn, um, and uh, I am like a big believer in TechFlex and um, really nicely routed cables. And I've started using you know the extending cable management arms and all the blades. So mm -hmm. that I've built systems where we configured it, built it, and handed it off to another company for for them to like run with and it's a really nice feeling to be like yeah well when you go in this room it's going to be immaculate and everything's going to have meticulous documentation and um all the cables are labeled on both ends so you're like where is this going oh no i can see and they're color coded where wherever possible and um when you know one one of the aspects that um, i deal with in my job is designing disaster recovery, right? Mm -hmm. um, when you are building out a server room, I'm thinking about disaster recovery then, right? When when shit hits the fan, pardon, pardon my French, uh, you don't want to be chasing your tail about where does this cable go? I don't know what's going on. When everything is super clear lines, uh velcroed just where they need to be and everything is like oh okay this makes sense and this exactly matches the documentation this is a lot easier to troubleshoot this is a lot easier to deal with and when you're in that crisis mode of something's not working having put that extra legwork in at the front end pays dividends there too it's not just in the performance it's also when something goes wrong being being able to be really confident that those that the foundation is solid right um so those are those are more of the things that i'm just like this is really cool uh and um cable management's one of those weird things where like for me i do cable management the same way i play with legos i build it and then I take it back. I'm like, mm, you know what? I bet I could do this a little better. What if I move this over yeah. here? What if I do that? It's an iterative process. Rarely am I like done a whole rack. And the first go out, I'm like, this is how I want it to be. Right. Throughout, you're like, ooh, actually, let's bring this fiber cable over here. Uh, I want to route it this way or that way. Or maybe let's use a different length. I've, I've changed my path. And just... Um, that is another area where it's extremely easy to be complacent 
and the business hat may say, don't spend 15 hours wiring this thing up. And I'm like, no, I want to spend 30. Like, yeah, give me more time. Because, because then you're going to, you're saving a hundred hours trying to figure things out. And by the way, I'm glad that you mentioned Velcro because I, I was worried that we might get into an argument because I absolutely detest zip ties in yeah. server rooms. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and, we typically got a moratorium on anti-zip tie. Uh, there are a couple exceptions. I think when you're bringing a fiber cable in from outside, then it's probably all right. But once you hit the rack, yeah, it's, it's all Velcro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I I, I like the, uh, the the iterative process for for doing cable management in a server room. I, I totally agree with you on there because I'm thinking back to when we, so when we spun up our second office, our, our second fresh build, I mean, we've, we've set up multiple offices from like temporary moves as we were growing. But like when we got like our official like jump cloud headquarters and then like our, our, our office in downtown Denver, you know, that, that actually was fresh construction or, you know, fresh renovation and everything like that. And, you know, we had the chance to, you know, where we had to run, have all the cable run, you know, we had the, the low voltage term uh, contractor go in there, terminate it all how we want it. And like the second, the, our Denver office is a lot smaller than the Louisville office, especially network size. And I decided to, I decided to try something new. Uh, I'm like, okay, let's, let's go, you know, we're only going to have, you know, because of the size of it, we're only going to have, you know, four. 48 port switches in there and, you know, and a, and a few other appliances. And, and so I'm like, let's try doing patch panel, switch, patch panel, switch, patch panel, switch. Definitely the way to go. And, and, in doing, I think we did just, we just used like six inch jumpers mm-hmm. to go between. So we didn't have to go, you know, run down, you know, cable management channels or anything like that. And, and, and you know we have, we have like what the patches you know on the, on the patch panel we have it labeled what it is, but like having that saved us time on not having to label the actual cable because it's just six inches and you can see okay this is yeah you know, and, uh, this is a WAP right here <laughs> huge believer in the patch panel switch patch panel switch uh, orientation we also use six inch cables for for all of those. And um, I'm in the practice of the standard documentation we build when we do something like that includes what is the network interface on the switch. So I'm often using Cisco switches, Mm -hmm. big fan of Cisco. Um, And when you're stacking, they're all one logical unit. So it's not like this is port 48. This is chassis three port 48 expansion Mm -hmm. module modules and catalysts or whatever. And we will capture every run from a patch panel. So run 177 corresponds to uh, GI one or GI three one seventeen, mm-hmm. and that means that when we're working remotely, and someone says, "Hey, uh, I'm sitting at my desk and I plugged into port 117," I can SSH into the switch and know exactly what port that they are in. Right. And that's speaking to the documentation instead of being like, oh, well, I got to go fumble around the server room or try and get your MAC address and chase it down on the network. Um, having that really clean 
cabling flow and having the corresponding documentation to know end to end how does everything connect um, is just such a huge time saver when you get into actual administration and doing stuff. You just you just gave my team a, a to do task because you know I, I I was thinking you know you know we're pretty good on on how we have things labeled you know we'll have uh, our you know conference rooms or like like on the on the uh, on our interface for the the network management so we we are using a ubiquity stack you know mm -hmm. they're, they're unify stack so you know we're able to label ports and everything like that. And you know we have them labeled like this is this conference room, this is that conference room, and stuff like that. But all of the, all of the ports out, like out and about in the office, like on our on our power beams and everything like that, those aren't labeled. And you say that I'm like, oh, we should do that. So that I mean, because I could, yeah, that just being like, hey, this is on port, you know, I'm on outlet 123. And just being like, okay, I mean, we could, being that there's like in that office, there are four switches, it's not difficult to do the math <laughs> on it since everything's in line, but. Yeah, but you make one exception. Someone goes in one day and they go, oh, well, actually this cat six, we're going to, we're going to patch this is with an HDMI balance kit in the middle. And now, now this thing's out of sequence, right? And yeah, exactly. Having that documentation and it be explicit. In maintaining it, right? It's only as good as, as if you maintain it. If people make changes to the infrastructure without updating documentation, it's a recipe for disaster. Uh, someone goes on vacation, someone else tries to jump in, they follow the documentation, it's not accurate, can be can be a mess. Um, so uh, in, in addition to just trying to capture that documentation, which is, I think, it's, it's just so critical to be able to say, hey, we've got, like, you, there will always be uh, a skill spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. A spectrum between the various members on a given team. And um, unless that senior most person plans on never leaving, never sleeping, never dying, uh, then the method of communication for someone else to be able to administer any of this stuff to any degree is is documentation um and in my the earlier days of my career i got burned by myself not creating that documentation and going on vacation was really stressful to be like ooh, uh so there's a bunch of linux servers and i didn't write anything down so good luck managing those while i'm gone and yeah. uh now um you know 10, 15 years later, you learn from your mistakes and write it all down. Yeah. And we, I'm, I will say that I'm in a way that I'm lucky that I met up with. So jump cloud has our, we have our technical writing team and I, I, I not that long ago, uh, just like a month or so ago, I, I reached out to them and was like, can you guys help us with our documentation? Cause we have, you know, we, I mean, if we have this resource, why not use it? And that's a, I think that's another way of, of doing, you know, cutting edge thing. We have a bunch of professional writers. So this is an interesting one because I think that, uh, and when we, we spoke the other day, this came up that when people feel that they're in a time crunch and the business side is saying, you don't have 30 hours, you mm -hmm. have 
that documentation is often one of the first things to yeah. suffer. And I also think that it, it can it can be it can feel very tedious to author documentation, um, which is another reason I think people procrastinate and they don't do it because they can't. It's not fun. It's not sexy. Um, but I would flip that and say that I know a couple people who would just like love a good spreadsheet. And I'm one of those people. I love a good spreadsheet. Uh, when I am building sets of documentation and you're like, all right, time to make a really good spreadsheet. And um, I recently had our team build a network overview document uh, like topology uh, for a system that was a for, for a small data center. And we got into, in addition to just like zooming out, okay, you can see the big picture, every single nick between every connection was documented, right? Where we have a graphic of the switch with um, hot connection points in every RJ45 and SFP connector, color-coded to all of the um, ether channels. And it's like, all right, at a glance, you can see what this is. But if you squint and you look closely, you can see exactly how every single thing is wired. And uh, the Mac, every MAC address is listed. Every VLAN tag is is called out through a key and, and through like an elegant form of information dissemination. So in a single JPEG, I can convey a ton of super complex information. And, and to me, that is like super cool. It was so cool to see. It's like, all right, I could have drawn a napkin sketch and been like, here's an HA firewall and here's a switch and here's a server. But instead, now there is something that you could, you could show to someone who was in the accounting team and they could be like, oh, okay, so this is how that all works together. All right. Yep. Seems like a lot. Yeah, for sure. And I like even going back to the network stuff, like when planning them out, I know so many people who would do kind of the nap back of napkin sketches or just do stuff like that. Like I, ever since I was first introduced to, to the packet tracer application, like I fell in love with that. And like, even, even though not using Cisco switches or, you know, Cisco products, I would still use that to plan out my racks because, okay, it's a, it's a one U 48 port switch, you know, a firewall or an appliance we have need to have sitting on a shelf, like all of that, I could replicate in there, have it, you know, work on the, the routing, work on the layout and, and be able to, to, to fuss around with it to be like, okay, maybe we go patch panel, switch, switch patch panel, or, you know, whatever we, you know, whatever we end up doing. And, yeah, I found that you know using a a good proper tool from the beginning. Yeah, you know going going back to you know if you do it properly from the beginning, you're it's going to end up being a lot better. Right. And um, yeah, that, that's I, been one of my favorite things for rack planning. When I have other team members take on these projects, where I'm just kind of supervising, watching over their shoulder, uh, I think the majority of the work is happening before they even plug the power in. Right. Mm -hmm. it's, all happening in these rack diagrams and it's all right well what is the ip configuration for this what interface are you using for that how is like i want to see it all planned out so that when you show up you could have you could have someone who uh 
was on the installation team who doesn't know about network engineering and they can put everything in the rack exactly as you want with the blank panels where you want the brush panels where you want and um and you can show up and and you're just at that point you're just running through a checklist right you're yeah, like exactly. okay, i'm setting this to the thing that i said i was going to do and this is what's going and you're not figuring it out there um of all the places that I have to like figure out a problem, sitting on a cold server room floor is not my favorite place to do it. No. Um, you know, sitting on my couch is a bit nicer. I'm like this looks good. I think I think this is gonna work. Um, and then you get there and it's, you know, it's very nice when a plan comes together. It really is. And that was the 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 one of the most satisfying things after we, when we were working on, on our Louisville, Colorado office is, you know, we spent so much time, me and the other IT person, you know, at the time it was just the two of us getting, to, you know, getting all of the network stuff together, getting everything set up, you know, actually, you know, at the beginning fighting for, we want every desk to have a, a an actual physical ethernet port. You know, we don't want to go Wi-Fi only all of, all of this, like, and then, you know, okay, move-in day. And we're talking about a gaggle of, of software engineers. So productivity is is productivity is money. That's that's what really what it comes down to. And where people were would come in, you know, they you know they they knew where they're gonna go sit. They came in, they plugged in their, their stuff, and they were up and running in like 10 minutes. And on on day one move in people you know we had people were were working without issue within 10 minutes of walking in the door yeah um i think that something you just said really resonates with a lot of the jump cloud deployments that were that we're working on where um so much of it is obfuscated in fact like 99 percent is obfuscated from the end user mm -hmm. um if you've done your job correctly, IT is just magic, right? It just works. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I don't know how I mean, that works, but it just works. And um, that notion is really just based on perception. This was a lesson that it took me years to like have it sink in. Uh, but you know, it's not actually how fast can I make that sand go. That is not the metric. The metric is how do people feel about it? Do people yeah. feel great about this? they feel great about it you're in a you're probably in a good spot right um hopefully your security is also up there too but yeah. and, and the things they can't see are, are work just as well but um when we are working with clients where we are um taking on ownership of of services and we're functioning as an msp where a new hire comes in they receive a computer they've got set a documentation that says, hey, welcome to this company, or here's how you log in, here's what Jump Cloud is, you're going to see this a whole bunch. Uh, and they open it up, and their accounts are automatically provisioned, and the MDM pushes the right software there, and their licenses are all just like, it just works, right? Uh, that perception, if you do that right, pays so many dividends, the end users are like, wow, these guys, that was so smooth. I'm, um, they don't even think about it, right? Yeah. You've done your job. No one's thinking about IT. And if you mess that part up, people get real ruffled 
eyebrows and scoff about and are like, this was not fun. I don't know how to check my email and this is frustrating. And um, one of the, like, from my nerdy, geeky side, I'm like, there's so much cool stuff under the hood that Jump Cut is doing. But that's not actually the main benefit. The main benefit is the perception on the, the end user side where to them it is seamless and it's like magic. And they're like, wow, I don't have to think about this. Everything just works really the way like you stick your fingers out in front of your computer and it does what you want. Yeah, I had, I, during an interview for a, a new hire that I had oh, not too long ago, they asked me, you know, we got the, I got that pretty standard question from a, a candidate of what does, what does a successful person in this role, what does, uh, yeah, what does success in this role look like? And which is, you know, a great question. And I almost answered it with, you know, the normal standard, you know, meet these, these, this metric, this metric, whatever. But then I thought about it. I'm like, what success looks like, you know, on, on the very, very shallow level is if you're happy and if I'm happy, that's what that looks like. Because if both of us are happy, that means our customers are happy. That, that, that means we're, we're doing our job. You know, that means security's happy. That means, you know, it, it, it just, it just branches out from there. If, if either of us are frustrated about something, that means there's something going wrong somewhere along the chain. But if both of us are happy, I know it's a like kind of a crunchy granola answer, <laughs> but I, it goes, it goes to kind of what you were saying is that it's, it's not about, you know, you're going to increase the, the throughput of our firewall by, you know, 10% this quarter. It's, it's about, it's about per, it is, it is about perception. And honestly, you know, with that perception comes, you know, with a positive perception comes trust. It comes like when, if, you know, not if, when something goes, you know, inevitably goes wrong, patience also comes along with that. If you've shown that you're, you know, 99.9% .9 on your game, you know, that 0.01% or that 0.1% where something goes wrong, people are a lot more, tend to be a lot more forgiving. Not just what we're understanding. It, you know, so much of solving problems is information gathering. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I'm constantly confronted with situations where I'm like, this isn't a problem of ones and zeros. This is a problem of questions. We just need to ask questions. You ask the questions and everything else falls into place. And when users lose trust in their IT team, they don't go to them and they don't and the IT team then is is um, lacking the information and it's that much harder for them to get the resolution and it's this vicious circle. And when you've uh, built a relationship of trust between the users and the IT team and something comes up and you're like, they're going to come to you right away and like, hey, I noticed this weird thing and here's the screenshot and here's all the things and the timestamp and here's even an export of the logs from that application. Yeah. Wow. That... I, I have a perfect example of this. The the place where I worked at before Jump Cloud, it was a it was a nonprofit, fairly small nonprofit. The previous IT person was that that stereotypical standoffish, condescending you know, I know better than everybody. I'm better than everybody here. 
and and they and that showed on the the employees they wouldn't they would not approach me they would not you know i would get a manager being like the the you know the print this printer's not hasn't been working for three months i'm like well nobody told me that the printer wasn't working exactly. and so it didn't it didn't take me long where i started doing rounds essentially just I'd, I'd go around and not not just like it was it was partly to get to know people you know it was to be like hey can i help you you know and pretty much it, it was it was damage control <laughs> and just being like hey i'm here to help if you give me a if you tell me something's wrong i'll fix it and a lot of the times i would fix it like you know a lot of these are just small problems i would fix it right then and there and it didn't it was like after after a month or so i started getting tickets in people would start emailing me stopping by my desk whatever and i would never i would never like turn somebody away it's like it's it's i think it's easy for people in it to think that they work in a technical field when in many regards, they they work in a relationship management field, right? You are managing the relationship between a robot and a human. Yes. And, um, and if you if that relationship gets soured, you're not doing a very good job, even if the server runs super fast, right? Like it's that's not that's not really what our job is. Our job is that alignment of those two. And, um, you know, one of the kind of motifs, not slogans, but um, one of the things that used to appear in our mission statement was about that we view technology as a, a user interface problem, mm -hmm. right? That, that IT is really about, like, how can, how can you remove the blockers and create an efficiency between the people who are trying to use technology and, and the technical tools themselves. Um, and, you know, so much of, like, it used to be that in the early days of when everyone was getting MFA rolled out, no one would bite because the user experience was tough. They were like, what's this TOTP code? I don't understand. It's like, is it different for my email as it is for my video conference as it is for my whatever? The, the issue there was not a technical one. It's a user interface problem. Mm -hmm. It's people engaging with this technology. And it was fed to them in a non-digestible way. And, uh, you know, that's one of the areas where that, that, I, that I'm kind of like saying that that's where Jump Cloud's greatest value is. It's not just in the technical cool stuff that you can do with it that I nerd out about. It's that it creates a super seamless user interface where it's so much easier to manage that relationship when they've got a single app on their phone and it's like, Hey, is this you? Yes. Great. Carry yeah. on. Today. Right. And where, where you guys are headed with passwordless authentication. It's, I think that, um, I've like run into other it people who work at other companies, other, uh, either other clients or other MSPs. And I'm like, 
hey, not for nothing, if you haven't checked out Jump Cloud, like, I know you're a competitor, but you should definitely go check it out. These guys, like, it's so, it's so dope. Um, and his just, like anything, if you don't use it well, it's not going to go well, right? Exactly. It's not like if you use Jump Cloud and just botch your rollout, the users aren't going to, aren't going to love it, right? It's not, it's not without requiring skill from the implementer but um when you do it right boy oh boy does it does it pay off right it's like it's like labeling your cables and you're just putting putting in the labor at the front end and making your life so much easier going forward yeah for sure and i will say one of the one of the few downsides of my job is that I, I have a peek behind the curtain under the hood and there's so many things that I want to geek out about right now, but I can't. <laughs> so like it's it's not it's just like whether it's whether it's too or it's not quite on the roadmap yet, or it's just like ideas percolating behind the scenes and stuff like that. And because I'm 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 overly cautious about you know, I don't want obviously I don't want to leak leak stuff out there but like man there like i i there's so much there's so much stuff that i've seen so much growth that i've seen over the the past four almost four and a half years at this at this company like the amount of growth from 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 the very beginning where i looked up jump cloud where i just stumbled across it while looking for tools and being like hey this thing has potential to you know the creation of the jump cloud powershell module to adding on mdm functionality to software management to os patch management and a whole bunch of other stuff to come and i mean there's there's constantly stuff being added to it and and i think that you know i'm i'm not necessarily saying this to to you know shield jump cloud this is i think that this can be true of so many other vendors out there um where you know you if you're not if you're not keeping an eye on the releases like i know for you know we're a google shop so google is terrible about doing you know like it seems like most of their releases are stealth releases and where it's like it's like like oh i found out about like on their shared drives or their team drives about them being able to do you know they they're changed to to folder level permissions like probably six months after it was released and i found out about it on accident where i just stumbled across it <laughs> and but so that i think to keep on the edge of of the functionality of your tools that you use i i hate to say it but it's kind of on the the IT admin, it's kind of on them to, to be on top of that, all, all of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, because we've been a jump cloud partner for so long and, um, really try to push the envelope on what implementation can look like. Uh, I've had the privilege to speak with a lot of the various, um, product owners and senior engineers over there over the last few years. And, um, you know, tuning in to the quarterly roadmap and being like, hey, this looks awesome. When can we get early access? When can we play with this? And mm -hmm. uh, if you were to just 
not engage with that and not not um, watch those webinars and not ask the questions and have those meetings, um, I think it would be easy to find yourself in the situation where patch management comes out at Jump Cloud or uh, now you can do MFA on Radius and LDAP mm -hmm. and you didn't know about that, right? You were just like, oh, okay, I guess, whatever. It's like, no, you can do MFA now on your Synology. That's super cool. Like, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it does require a degree of um, engagement, which I think is, um, I think engagement and ownership is probably the single or the combination of those is the single greatest determining indicator of how good you're going to be at your job. It's not how, what, it's not what you went to school for. It's not your memory recall. It's not your writing ability or your business acumen. It's how engaged are you and how do you like, do you sink your teeth into this and carry it forward like it's your own? Mm -hmm. um, because people, when they, when they care about what they're doing, they do so much better work. Like you could be bad at your job and if you're really engaged, like, or, or you might, you might not have a, a strong aptitude in your field and then you just are like super engaged and you can overcome almost anything. Oh yeah, for sure. If you just like care. Um, and I think that, you know, not just in IT, in any field, you can talk to someone at work and you can be like, that person's checked out. And when you talk to someone who's like really engaged, you're like, wow, that was super refreshing. That person like knows exactly what they're dealing with. They're super engaged, informative, helpful. Um, it's, and, and I think that that ownership and, uh, kind of is inspiring. And when you see it within, like, when, when companies cult, uh, culture reflects that, it's infectious. And you're working with everyone who's just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I got to turn out this super cool thing. I like, I'll catch you with drinks later. I want to get this out the door. And they're like, well, hang on. What do you got going on over there? That's really cool. And um, it's not about like staying late. It's about caring about what you're working on um, and the quality of the work that flows from that is it's just night and day and going back to, I think where we started today about um, continual improvement and pushing the envelope, all of that comes from if you enjoy what you're doing, if you are interested and you're like, this is cool. All the rest of that, like it, it flows so much easier. So if you find yourself out there where you're like, not pushing the envelope you're not trying to do all these things ask yourself like are you interested do you or do you think it's cool and if it's not like maybe make some changes yeah you and I, I think that i think there's part of it i i heard this from from a colleague a while ago or for i can't remember who where i was no it wasn't a colleague it was somebody not even it was like I was I was talking to people and I started and I started geeking out about something that I was working on. And they made the comment of like, well, I, I, I hope you don't act like that when when you're talking to people about it. And I'm like, of course, I act like this when I talk to people about it, because like if I if I show that I'm excited about working on something about the like how 
either like the, the, the possibilities or, or whatever, like you said, it's infectious. It gets across, it, it gives, it, it gives, you know, it, I don't know. It just adds that extra element that will help with buy-in that will help with, with team development. I mean, the, the best example I can give is that the, the, when I first successfully made a working Lambda <laughs> in AWS, I, I was so happy and I was so proud of myself <laughs> and I shared it with the team. I'm like, this is, this is so neat. I mean, it was, it was something simple of pulling it, pulled audit logs from the Atlassian API and moved it into a, into a S3 bucket. That's all it did. That's all it did. But I was so happy about getting that automated and, you know, and with a Lambda and like working on it, I saw the potential of like, okay, how else can we leverage Lambda? Like, but just the, the mentality of that excitement you know, sharing it with my team, they started getting excited about, oh, how can we, how can we start using this? And it's just, that's, that's what it's all about. That's, you know, don't be afraid to, to show your passion. Don't be afraid to geek out because that helps other people that helps buy-in that helps, you know, helps your stress level. It does. It really does. Right. Like I think that, there have been times in my life where I was working 12, 14 hour days, 16 hour days. And when it's stuff that you like, it, you're like, I don't, it's not work. It's not taxing. I didn't go home feeling like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to do this tomorrow. I go to sleep and I'm like, ooh, let me get back on my computer. This is cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely understand that. And like, you know, especially when working on like automation projects and stuff like that, I, I very much get into that zone or, or, you know, be sitting down watching TV with my wife. And then all of a sudden I stand up and like, I had an idea. <laughs> but, I mean, it, and it's to, to everyone in the like IT space. I mean, I think this applies well outside of IT. I think if you were an accountant, if you were a line cook, if you were a custodian, I think that, you know, to find the parts that um, like make you excited. And, and I think that for me, and I hope that other people share this, is that um, when you take pride in the work that you're doing, regardless of what your field is and what your role in the big machine is, um, when you are like, I did this better, right, than I did yesterday, I found a new way to do it. I like, thought outside the box and I was like, you know what, why are we using this product when we could use this one? It's, it's a, it offers all these benefits when you, when you have that ownership and try and do better and they're not just like, that's ah, good enough. Um, when you get to that line where you're, where you, where you've made some incremental improvement, it's extremely gratifying and cathartic. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you get like, you know, not quite runners high, but, but something to that effect, there's an endorphin release. And um, it's, you know, when people say like, oh, you know, they just go to work just to pay the bills, you could take that approach or you could do the exact same job and just like find something that you're interested in it and, and try and do better. And, and then it, it doesn't become a, a drain, you know? Um, 
And I think that almost everyone I know, they wax and wane on that one. You can't yeah. maintain maximum enthusiasm every day. Um, Maybe if you're Greg Keller, you can. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but certainly to, to aim for that. Um, and it's also a really good canary in the coal mine of like, are you doing a good job? Mm -hmm. Are you happy with the work you're doing? If you are, you're probably doing a good job. And if you're like, ugh, I don't really like what I'm doing. Well, what's there? There's a there's a missing ingredient there, right? Mm -hmm. um, and for both the employer and the employee, it's it, and the client and the family and the dog. Everyone, yeah. everyone is benefiting when you're like. How was work today? And you're like, it was so cool. I built yeah. this thing. Um, and I, I think that that an important aspect of that, especially those those of us who are in the IT field, you know, with these with these continual improvements, you know, with automation, with all the, you know, all the different tools and skills and stuff that are out there that you can leverage. I think what a lot of people miss is that, you know, you know, when looking at your job, your job, and you're like, it's a slog. I work, I work 15 hour days, or you know, constantly, or you know, I haven't been able to take a vacation in, you know, two years or whatever. But a lot of these things out there that you know you and I are getting excited about or get excited about, they can lead you to working you know, to getting closer to that nine to five Monday through Friday, having time for yourself and your family. Like it's, yeah, there's a learning curve. Yeah. There's effort and in, put into it, but in the long run, it's designed to be, to be a, you know, to be a force multiplier, you know, work, work smarter, not harder, that whole thing. Yeah. And, and when you, when you get this automation up, and you you get these tools in place or you get you know these efficiencies into place you know no matter where they fall in and you give yourself that extra breathing room you get yourself to that point where where there's less pressure on you you actually get to sit back and look at not only hey i accomplished this but hey i actually like my job <laughs> like that that sort of thing um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing about the learning curve, I think that that is one of the scarier parts for people. Um, I think that it, it's, it's inherently intimidating to like stare up at a mountain and be like, whoa, I have to climb this thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, the taller and steeper that learning curve is, the more daunting the summit looks like. Um, but like people climb Everest all the time. It's, yeah. it's like you know, one foot in front of the other, you can do it. Like every, those other people did it, you can do it too. Uh, yeah. And um, a lot of it's just time, you know, a lot of the coolest stuff I think that I've learned, I learned between 9 p.m. and 3 in the morning reading about it, right? wasn't always just stuff that I'm doing at work. You're like, how, how does that work? It kind of, it's like I just got to play with it. Um, yeah. And uh, there are, there are, you know, there are areas that I have not 
dabbled in that I would like to that are really interesting, speaking about automation. Um, we had a project in the last few months where we were building out some infrastructure in AWS. Um, client had an AWS environment. It was built by a previous firm and it wasn't built on like a holistic vision. They didn't do a lot of planning. They mm -hmm. built and then added an expansion and added an expansion and then just built stuff organically and it was kind of a mess. So we rebuilt it from scratch. And a colleague of mine was like, let's let's build, when we build this new uh, stuff in US East 2, let's do the entire thing in Terraform. Yep. And I'm not, uh, because I'm not a developer, I'm not, uh, Terraform wasn't the first thing that I would have reached for. And I've like played with Ansible in the past, but um, it was such a cool experience to see this new tool that is like well, new to me, it's not new to the world. And, um, it's exciting and it's cool. And I'm like, wow, I really like to get into this. And he is, he worked at an AWS consulting firm for a while. So his AWS shops were super slick. Yeah. Watching him do his thing in Terraform, I'm like, whoa, like, this is really cool. I got to spend some nights getting into this. I got too many meetings during the day. I can't do it in the middle <laughs> of the day. But, like, uh, but, you know, work smarter, not harder. Uh, I've got another client where they're they're going through a merger and um, we're thinking about what is the next iteration of their infrastructure look like. Yeah. Stand up some new VMs in Asia. It's like, well, do we want to do this in Terraform? Yeah. Now now that now I'm thinking about it more that way. It's like, well, you know, you're six hundred people today, but are you gonna be six thousand in how long? Uh, what's what's your growth plan and like how many more offices? How many more countries are we gonna have to do this in? Do we want yeah. to do it every time? Do we want to do it now and then just like tweak a couple variables? Um, and uh, I think that there's a like childlike enthusiasm and kind of wonder and like, ooh, Christmas morning, what are we gonna, what are we gonna do? Um, you know, I want to go play with some new toys. And yeah. that excitement. It all it all bleeds in. It's all it's it's all like an extension of the same thing. When you're excited and engaged, and you take ownership, and you're interested, and you're like not afraid of climbing up the mountain, then you're then all of a sudden you're like you look back over five years, like whoa, I learned so much stuff, and the solutions I'm deploying now are just like they're so buttoned up, and you can feel like it's not just that I'm confident. In it. I love being able to show competitors the stuff I'm working on. Like hey. Yeah. Check out what we just did. Like it's so cool. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't care who you are. I will. I will. I. I would love to talk about you know the things that 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 we're doing and you know I. Once my eyes just in, on a on a broader on a broader thing. Once my eyes were opened to the powers of APIs, it was like for me that was that was where I saw the real shift in my career and how i approached work because like now now every time they're you know we're we're looking at a new solution it's like oh do you have you know do you have a rest api that we could leverage you know do you, you know can we you know can we do you know is it is it read only is it read write what can we you know what can we do to 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 make this work you know for like with with jump cloud you know with the integrations that we have you know they're 
we have integrations for a lot of, you know, whether it's SSO or skim or whatever for a lot of things, but there's also a bunch out there that we, we don't have because new stuff comes out all the time. And, but like, as long as I have an API, I have the jump cloud API, I have this product API and I have either a Lambda or an EC2 or something along those lines where I can interact, you know, to act as a middleman between the two, magic can happen off of that. Um, I think in my experience, the success of those is often on the documentation. Um, that's very true. <laughs> right. Saying, oh yeah, we have an API. Uh, where's the documentation? Well, you know, you'll figure it out. Yeah, I, 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 I will say that nothing that what helped my API knowledge and even like when when switching to a new language, like I'm I'm working on on bolstering my Python knowledge since I've mostly worked in PowerShell before now. Um, but like something that's helped a lot is are the the documentations or things like Postman where you can actually where it actually will help build out the API call for you, like in the documentation. And I was so happy when they added that to our, to our document, our API documentation. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, just being able to build out those calls and, you know, either copy paste or, or take it and dismantle it and tweak it to, to do exactly what you want to do. But you're right. I've, I've dealt with companies that had immaculate, API documentation, and then I've also I've dealt with the the other end of the spectrum where it was no either no documentation or might as well have been no documentation. I mean, a slight tangent here, but when I am evaluating hardware and software vendors, like price and feature set is not the only thing being oh, no. the quality of their documentation is really really important. Um, not to name names, but when I'm like choosing between Cisco, SonicWall, FortiGate for a hardware appliance for, for a firewall, like how good's your documentation in each of those cases? Um, and say what you will about Cisco, but they've got excellent documentation. They do. They do. It's their yeah. licensing that drives me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they're not, you're right. Their documentation is top notch. Yeah. I mean, the paperwork is not fun with Cisco, but once you have it in your hands mm -hmm. and you have at, like, you can, if you've got a question, it's probably been answered in, in the documentation, the, the administrator guides, the programmable guides, the, all of it. Um, and, uh, I mean, hand in hand with that is, you know, what's the quality of your support? Uh, yeah. and, um, I mean, I could spend a whole day just talking about su support calls. Um, it does kind of boggle my mind that especially more junior people in IT, um, they think that they can call support and support's just going to like fix it for them. And instead it's like, no, support is a tool that mm -hmm. you use to help yourself fix it. But like you have yeah. to, you know, you have to steer them in the right place. You have to equip the, the vendor support with all the things that, that they need, the logs, the remote access, whatever. You can't just be like, hey, guys, here are the keys. I'll, like, see you on Monday. It's going to be working, right? Thanks. Bye. It's like, no, 
it's a it's a collaborative process and um how good you know i've been on countless hours of support calls how good your support is uh really makes a difference um i don't really want to throw anyone under the bus but i think i have to i have worked with vmware support a bunch and their support's honestly pretty solid uh you can like you can get a hold of some very very smart engineers uh who really know this stuff inside and out and um i once bought vmware licensing through dell got it bundled with a host because it was so much cheaper mm -hmm. hey we're gonna need production support for vmware we're gonna be doing a bunch of vmotion stuff it's gonna be we need we need access to vmware support and I'm like yeah it's okay we got it um and it turns out no um dell when that happens dell takes over the support contract and they will you'll talk to their virtualization team they're not esxi engineers they don't know that product inside and out mm -hmm. and uh it was really frustrating and i was like all right note to self don't buy vmware licensing through dell like, yeah and i will i'll say this we have to we have several former vmware people on our staff and i could i will back up what you said they are some of the smartest people that i know yeah so, so um, i've been like really and I love Dell's hardware They're, as far as I'm concerned, the go-to hosts, like I'm, I'm not going to not do business with them. They're great. Mm -hmm. But you know, what's the, what are you actually going to be able to get out of, out of a, a thing? Um, and you know, know, know what you're getting into. And that was a instance of a little penny wise pound foolish didn't yeah. realize what that concession meant. Um, and, uh, you know, there are many places where I'm like, I don't need vendor support. I could do this in my sleep. Um, yeah, and that's kind of what I, we also, we also work with Dell as well. And, and they're one of the ones where it's like, their, their, their hardware is solid. And our knowledge, the, the knowledge base of me and my team is enough so where we don't need to deal with Dell support. <laughs> right. So, um, so those are all things that I kind of have to evaluate when picking and choosing directions where to go. Um, but it's just so refreshing when you get on the phone with someone or on a screen share and they're just like kicking ass and taking names and like, oh, just, I'm just going to come over here and oh, 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 there we go. This certificate expired and this is a hidden certificate. You wouldn't even be able to see it. Uh, this is a known bug. Uh, came in, Yeah, I thought it was fixed in the last patch, but it's okay. Here we go. And you're off. And you're like, wow, that was yeah. so good. Um, also speaking to the learning curve thing, I have learned so much by being on, on screen shares with, with support that are doing stuff that's above my, oh, yeah. above my level. And you're like, you're asking, I'll just, I'll ask questions like, Hey, so that command, what was you, it was dash F. What was that flag for? And they're like, Oh, okay. All right. I see what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a, there are wealth of information if you if you use them correctly right you can't just like drop the kids yeah. off at the pool yeah they're, they're not fire and forget like you said there it's a collaborative effort and if you going back to engagement if you are engaged with the support teams that you're asking that you're going to for help you're going to get you're going to get a, you're going to get as a lot out of it because i every support person that i've known who's you know worth their wages will be more than happy 
to share that knowledge with you. Oh yeah. They're, they're usually nerds too. They're like, oh hello. Um, even other even even aside from them being nice, that helps them do your you know that that helps them do their job because they're empowering you, and so when it comes up again, you're not calling them. You're you're fixing it yourself. Right. Um, there have been it it that is often a good indicator where I am now in my career and my technical competency. If I get on the horn with a support person and I tell them something and they're like, Oh, I didn't know that was possible. I'm like, all right. Um, can we escalate this? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, use, use all those opportunities to as learning opportunities. Uh, and, um, you know, when I was, I don't know, let's call it five, six years ago, I hadn't really touched Linux and I was kind of scared of it. And I was working with a film production company and who had a bunch of Linux servers and you just got thrown into the deep end and had to learn about it. And there was an admin who was there who kind of like helped. He's like, hey, this is VI. This is how that works. And I'm like, okay, all right. Thanks for the tip, man. That was really helpful. I couldn't figure out how to edit files before not trying to mess with this emacs nonsense uh, or nano and um you know seeing people who are your seniors who have been doing this watch them with a magnifying glass and try and be a sponge and just soak it up oh, yeah. it's so helpful to be able to ask questions um one of the one of the things that actually led me to jump cloud, this is a, a fun, fun story and maybe one uh, worth closing on. Uh, seven, eight years ago, something like that, I was at this client with the Linux servers and they they were using that a SAN metadata controller for their video production and they also had a, another Linux server that was for their file sharing. And um, they were all using, it was CentOS and they were using local uh, local Linux users. And I was like, you know, we should really do some kind of like shared directory. Let's, let's use LDAP. Um, and I was like, yeah, I, I want to learn about this LDAP thing. Let's try setting it up from scratch. Tried to set like, I tried to do it from command line the whole way, setting up Kerberos. Uh, yeah, that's the right face. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've was, never been brave enough to do that. It was brutal. Well, I, I bashed my head against it for several months and just couldn't ever get it all the way. And I was like, I just I just really want to... I went to our CLO and was like, I, I really just want to find someone who's an LDAP expert. I, I know if I could just ask a couple questions about like how this thing is supposed to work, I could figure it out. And then we were like reframing this problem. This is not a problem of how to get LDAP to work. Let's use Jump Cloud. Yeah. And that was basically the first time that I really got into the weeds with Jump Cloud. And uh, it was unequivocally a better answer. It, it extended, it was, took five minutes to set up, not months of me bashing my head of in failure, like mm -hmm. Kerbero stood up from command line. Uh, it was a much smoother user experience. The reliability, consistency, like every part about it 
was superior to vanilla command line LDAP running on this six-year-old CentOS box. Yeah. And um, so much of, like, I think so much of problem solving is framing the problem. And if you frame the problem in such a way, you might not have a good answer. So when I frame the problem of like, I need to get this LDAP to work, that it didn't, it didn't have a happy ending because it was a, the framing of the problem yeah. didn't allow for a good solution. And when yeah. we step back and reframe the problem of like, hey, how do we just like have a better authentication experience? Oh, Jump Cloud is a like way better tool here you you change the angle you view it from and then all of a sudden this like solid wall is actually a thin line of a card and you're like oh this is really easy to walk around yeah, um, exactly. it's you don't always have to do it yourself because if you're having a problem it's more than likely that somebody else has had a problem had that same problem and there might be a, a solution out there already for it um i will say though for uh or as frustrating as it was to like admit defeat and not being able to like finish the, it had to do with like the pat the Pam and getting LDAP to talk to Samba. I could get LDAP to work, but Samba wasn't able to, couldn't get the modules to line up. I learned so much about Linux over those yeah. few weeks, right? Of just like really getting in the weeds. And so um, even though I look at that as a like, I, I think about that story often as it's like it was a technical failure and a technical success. It was a failure on my trying to get Jump Cloud uh, to LDAP set up. It was a huge success by by pivoting to Jump Cloud, and it was a really remarkable learning opportunity in the middle where I just like learned a ton about LDAP, how it works under the hood, how Kerberos works under the hood, how how Linux and password password management work. Like it was a extremely rewarding use of the time. And in the end, I mean, yeah, I definitely burned a bunch of time that uh, my company ended up eating of me, like trying to build a solution that we ended up boarding to go to Jump Cloud with. But everyone was happy, right? Yeah. I got something that they were after. I got to learn a ton. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to fail. It's the, it's the best teacher. Yeah, it really is. And that's, yeah, I, I, I tell my team that okay, you fail, learn, move on. Have an exit strategy, have a backup, exactly. plan, a rollback plan. <laughs> if, you, if you have a good, if you have a good uh, like exit strategy, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay, so that's, that's all the time that we have for this episode. Again, my guest today is Riley Skull. Riley, thank you so very much for, for coming on and chatting with me. It has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Talk to you next time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're good. So thanks again, Riley. That was this is yeah. a this is like I said, sitting down, talking shop, and it go conversation goes where it goes and it turns out good. Thank you for tuning in to Where's the Any Key. If you like what you heard, please feel free to subscribe. Again, my name is Ryan Bacon. I lead IT at JumpCloud, where the team here is building a cloud-based directory platform that provides frictionless, secure access to virtually any IT resource from trusted devices anywhere. You can learn more and even set up a free account at jumpcloud.com.